to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling and Michael Rand of the Mailbag Editions, ready for Monday night uh, against the San Francisco 49ers. Everything's a day later. Our questions are a day later, but we appreciate, but not a dollar short. We appreciate you guys sending them as always. Starting off, Rye wants to know, what do you guys think the chances are that Brian Flores gets poached this offseason? It might be a little early, but... I think there's I certainly think he's gonna get interviews. I mean yeah. I I think certainly was in the mix last year. He was still a candidate in Arizona when he took this job instead. I think there is certainly likely he's gonna get interviews. The thing I will say is I expect he's gonna be picky. I don't think he's just going to go jump at anything out there, especially knowing what he knows about what can happen if it doesn't work. And this is your second time through it, even if your first one ended unfairly, which I I think it's fairly easy to say that it did, you're probably not going to get three. So your second one has to be one that you use well. And I would expect that he'll get into the mix. He'll get interest. He'll get interviews. Um, I don't, no 100% that that means he's going to get poached because it has to be the right fit. And I think especially with him in his particular context, fit is going to be really important. Yeah, he's a guy who's had to deal with uh, in, in documented lawsuits, mm-hmm. uh, a contentious relationship with ownership, with yes. <laughs> at least some questionable behavior from that ownership in Miami that he alleged. Um, well, I mean, co- provably questionable, I think. And the NFL investigated and basically said – we didn't. They did not corroborate, at least in that sense, the tanking stuff. But the tampering, the they tampering, did. the Brady yeah. stuff. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yes. But did not corroborate Flora's allegation that he was paid to lose games. Yes. The <clears throat> investigation that the league paid for into one of its owners did not <laughs> prove that the owner of one of those teams. Yep. Uh, yeah. Financially incentivized tanking. Because yeah. that would be bad for business. That so would be bad for business. Alleged. So it was not proven <laughs> in the league investigation. It's still alleged when it comes to that. But you're right. Like, I could see how he'd be like, hey, let's not just jump ship and go to, like, Arizona like he thought last offseason. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of, <laughs> yeah. Um, I also think it might be early because while this defense has at least statistically been – uh, better in terms of big plays. They've kept the point totals for the most part fairly low. Um, let's see a full season of it, and then let's see them uh, win some more games um, because I think he's going to be continue to be, and in, in, for good reason, one of the more respected defensive minds in football here. But um, this Vikings team's got a long way to go, uh, even on defense right now. It would be interesting if it were to happen, um, if he were to leave, how many coaches offensively would he take with him? Hmm. I mean – I don't know if it would be all of that. Offensive or defensive? Well, in terms – I mean, you you figure you're going to need a strong offensive mind if you're a head coach somewhere. How many – would if you need somebody to run the offense, like – I mean, it's a lateral move for somebody like Wes Phillips, but if there's play calling, I I don't know. I mean, he's he's got enough of a Rolodex, certainly from years in New England, that I would think he'd have – plenty of options but it would be interesting to me to see if um you know, a guy like chris o'hara the quarterback's coach does he get 
into the OC kind of mix somewhere, uh, possibly with a situation like that. I, and we're we're three steps down the the road here, but I don't know. It would be an interesting piece of it. I prefer to look backwards. What would last year have been like with Flores as the DC? Well, I I don't think that's a completely ridiculous no, I know. Um, proposition because Kevin O'Connell said it. Uh, I, I wrote about it earlier this offseason. He said Flores was on his list of people he wanted to hire in year one, and he I think as he put it there may or may not have been some things that contributed to my ability, and I'm, I'm not quoting it completely accurately but it's in my season opening kevin o'connell yeah, no actually no i think i put it in my <coughs> brian flores, flores story, story yeah. yes so go back it's pinned on my twitter thing if you're interested to see it but um for the four of you that are still following this <laughs> yes he did hint at an mm-hmm. interest in flores in 2022 yeah. and you can probably connect the dots as to what may have cooled things there Grand Casino would like to take a moment and salute the true football fan. The passion. The hope. The anticipation. That incomparable feeling of winning. Grand Casino would also like to take a moment to remind you that you can find all that anticipation, thrill, and winning at Grand Casino. Grand Casino. Let your story begin. Our buddy Neil from London wants to know, <clears throat> on, on that front, would you guys say the Vikings are well coached? That's a good question. I, you know, I'm a little lukewarm on the offense right now because I, I can't, I can't decipher what exactly is wrong here. They keep saying they have the best skill position guys they've had. I know Jefferson's hurt now, so that changes the equation. But even before he was hurt, and even last season, it just felt like they never fully clicked and. I don't know what that is exactly. So I, I don't know if there's something functionally missing, if it's just like there's enough deficiencies that one thing always seems to derail a play or a drive. But, you know, I, I do have questions or curiosities about the offensive game plans, the offensive in-game, you know, play calls, things like that. I think Kevin O'Connell is a good coach. I think he is a good, you know, motivator, a good, you know, things like that. I think his in-game needs work, though. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I mean, I think the metrics by which we judge whether a team is well-coached are always going to be lacking a little bit because we just, we're not in there every day to assess all of it. I mean, and we never will be, so there's there's just no way to have a full assessment of it. But you look at things like penalties, you look at things like mental mistakes, you look at things like turnovers i mean so by a lot of those metrics no i mean i think you would you would have to say that right now that they are not playing in a way that would lead somebody to look at it from the outside and say they are a well-coached team i think one of the things i would factor into that we saw so many times last year they talked about situational mastery and they did i i think for a lot of those moments they were in they played very well I wonder how much that changes when you don't have as many veterans. I just, I mean, a guy like Patrick Peterson being able to make the play in the moment because he could read what Josh Allen was going to do and step in front of a pass and ice that game in Buffalo, that level of institutional knowledge, it's always a a trade-off because players age, they get expensive, it's a young person's game. I mean, all of that stuff is true, but 
the level of situational awareness that comes with a guy like that and a guy like Eric Kendricks, for example. I, 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 not saying it was the wrong decision necessarily, but you do give some of that back. I think when you don't have guys like that, yeah, but Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen on offense, like these guys yeah, were nearing of, the end, but you knew what you were getting from those guys. A lot of a lot of miles on on the car, but you know, that's not necessarily a good thing physically, but maybe a good thing in terms of game awareness and yeah. I think that turnover is a good excuse for the coaching um, in terms of the turnover of the locker room of how young they are, how um, they don't have necessarily some of that veteran leadership to lean on in critical moments where you aren't being able to trust KJ to catch a pass or Madison to not fumble in moments or Hawkinson to come down with a pass. Um, And they've had to deal with some injuries already too, without their center for whatever, uh, you know, however long to start the season. Um, I think defensively they seem to be maximizing their personnel. Offensively, they're not. And, yep. Yep. and offensively, even without Jefferson, I, I didn't know this, but I was shocked to go back and look that eight, like 86% of Jefferson's yards had come on first and second down this year before he went down. And then all of a sudden Chicago comes and they can't produce on first and second down. Yeah. It's like they lost their philosophy of, okay, these quick, easy passes that Jefferson would give us, we're, we can't just plug an Addison in there because he's a different player, and we don't know how to just generate these things, or at least they didn't in the first game out. Yeah. They need to kind of grow from that. And I thought it was interesting that O'Connell said after the game, you know, so much of our stuff is built around Justin, but that's not an excuse. It's like, well, you're saying it for a reason because it is yeah. meaningful. It does yeah. matter. It does impact what you plan to do, what you intend to do, and how you execute it. And the biggest test of their coaching on offense now is not having Jefferson and figuring out how do they keep the needle moving without that 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 automatic switch that they kept relying on. Um, and so to me... I think they are well coached. I think they're capable of it, but I think they've had some bad moments this year that last year, to your point, when you talk about the situational masters, they excelled in those moments. Yep. Yep. And I think some of it with coaching too is, I mean, how much does a coach need to say, Hey, catch the ball. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, to a professional athlete, that should not be a thing of coaching. I think I I don't think TJ Hawkinson needs to be told, Hey, we want you to catch the ball. But if it comes down to like making the plays in the moments, that was what they did last year and they haven't yep. this year. Is that yep. O'Connell? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's where it's a hard question to answer. It's an interesting question. Yeah. As Neil some, always does. Sometimes, yeah. And sometimes we we, you know, wrangle over one decision like not spiking the ball and even having the decision to spike it. Yeah. And that one moment yep. was it the Chargers game? Yes. Um, where they wasted a bunch of time at the end there in a critical moment. So there are some decisions where the coaching and the whole system and setup might not be best for how the execution ends up coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's go to another question here. We got one from um, Ezra wants to know. Ezra, Ezra Gonzalez wants to know, with Davenport on IR, do you think the Vikings will add any pass rushers? So before the trade deadline here, do you think they would be buyers at all in any sense of the word? I have a hard time seeing they're that. More likely yeah. to be sellers if they're mm-hmm. in the Daniel Hunter market, right? I mean – yeah. Good luck if you trade him for the rest of this year. With yeah. Davenport already out. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that would be that a, is that'd coming be a punt. Maybe we will season. see the uh, send all 11. <laughs> send all 11. <laughs> Previous podcast. Fire, fire 11. <laughs> I, I have a hard time seeing that, but I do wonder if the Davenport injury changes the calculus at all. Some movie where you, you like get the thing of the general. Fire everything. <laughs> Flores on the sideline. Yeah. Go. Send everyone. The end of an Avengers movie or something yeah. where everybody's screaming and ah, 
yeah, you get my point. They, they would need to. Uh, they would need to do that if they traded Daniel. That's what I mean. With Davenport yeah. already out. Yeah. Brock Purdy throws the ball high into the air, and five 49er eligibles collide and yeah. drop it. There you go. <laughs> and it works. Yeah. Uh, Peter wants to know who's finally showing up on defense. Who are who are some of the guys that have taken a step forward? Is there anybody defensively as we talk about this team taking some steps forward on the field? Who do you guys see as the players that uh, have at least been faring well? I think I think one that stands out to me is obviously we talked about him from the start, but Ivan Pace. Yeah, not only has done away with that whole we might rotate these guys thing yes. that's not a thing no and he played a little he didn't play as much in chicago because they're playing metellus so much right next to jordan hicks but when they do play those two inside linebackers it's always pace yep yep i i would agree with him the other name i would put in that list is josh metellus i i think he has put himself in a position where he has a large role in this defense i mean he was on the field for i think almost 90 percent of the snaps last week i mean they're their base it's hard to say exactly what their base is i would say it's either like a three three five or maybe a two four five but it's a nickel whatever it is it's a nickel and metellus is probably part of it i mean it's probably a three safety nickel with some variation of the six guys in front of the the secondary but they have kind of designed this role for him that has continued to expand and evolve and and I asked Flores about that earlier this week and he said it's evolved because he's shown he can handle it he has shown he knows where to be he does all of the right things we can put him in a blitz role for a bit we can have him drop into coverage I mean they they move him around a lot Um, so that would be the one to me I think that has has stuck out the most I thought Byron Murphy had a good game against Chicago shutting down DJ Moore and getting the game clinching interception even if he almost fumbled it away um so he's you know he's he talks a lot he's but he's always going to be up you know a lot of times be up against the other team's number one and for lack of you need some of that at that position for lack of anybody else it's it's him and he's i think he's been okay this year and has been better lately yeah yeah they're going to need you know dj wanham patrick jones somebody else to step up in that pass rush too and start producing because those guys haven't really done a whole lot yeah and we're seeing wanham produce in moments where he's schemed open and yeah. and producing on these effort plays but we're not it's seeing kind of been him, what it's been with him yeah we're not seeing that development where he's you know becoming much of a feared one-on-one pass rusher yeah he's um, a free agent after the year too so it's you know kind of now or never time for him here Maybe yeah. one of these decades they could draft an edge rusher. <laughs> well, it hasn't. Nice. It wasn't. Uh, it hasn't been in this one. And no. Barely. I mean, Daniel Hunter is the exception in t- in the 2010s. Third round pick. Though. It was a third round pick. Last first round edge rusher. Is it Erasmus, Erasmus James? James in 2005? I think we determined. Yeah, we looked at that it. Yep. Oh boy, maybe we're still traumatized by that. Might be. All right, well, thank you guys for sending your questions. Please send them to us on Twitter, send them to our emails. You can find all that at startribune.com.